Hi, my name is Irina Kremin, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Blue Beauty Series, hosted by Jeannie Jarnot, the founder and CEO of Beauty Heroes. In this podcast series, we interview a beauty and wellness brand's founders, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to talk about the future of beauty and how to build businesses that leave our planet better and bluer. From zero-waste packaging to regenerative practices, you will discover why materials matter, how to make philanthropy the foundation of a profitable business model, and which innovative brands are leading the Blue Beauty Revolution. Good morning from California. Hi, good evening from Scotland. <laughs> yes, I am so excited to talk to you today. And we I'm actually going to do a really quick intro on um, about you. And I want to dive right into your work. And when Irina said I'm the you know leader of the Blue Beauty Movement, I think I think by the end of this conversation, everybody's gonna think you're the leader of the Blue Beauty Movement. <laughs> Um, cause you've been doing this for a while and, um, so much work, uh, is going into what you, uh, have been forging ahead and really making an impact, uh, on this industry. So you, first of all, you're about 30 miles South of Glasgow, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you're in Scotland just to give everybody, and, uh, we spoke and I just, there was so much, um, that we need to cover today, but I'm just going to start. And, you know, give everybody a little background on you. You started out being studying chemistry and were an analytical chemist, turned HR director for Avon for years. Um, so you worked in a big beauty company and really saw that. You started Beauty Kitchen in 2010 with your husband with a focus on DIY beauty and sustainability. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, beauty Kitchen was just awarded the Blue Beauty Award for uh, Zero Waste Packaging Innovation. Congratulations. And everyone will really understand why that, um, why you really uh, deserve that, that, um, that award and more. You are a certified B Corp and you give 2% back of revenue to environmental causes. There's a uh, 1% for the planet. You are not, you are 2% for the planet, uh, which is, I know from, you know, my own experience, that's, that's a lot to, that's a lot. Those are some large checks. Um, and you know, uh, when you're talking about revenue, not profit, uh, while also investing in your return, repeat, refill, repeat program that is, um, now knowledge sharing with Loop, um, which is amazing. And you're about to receive your Cradle to Cradle certification uh, for Beauty Kitchen, and you sit on the stakeholder advisory board for Cradle to Cradle. So it's a lot. <laughs> I'm a sustainability nerd, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so let's start at the beginning. You started Beauty Kitchen 11 years ago now with your husband. And, you know, what was your original plan? It's not what you're doing now exactly. 
Yeah, so Stuart and I always wanted to start our own business at some point. It was something we talked about for for many years when when we almost first met. Um, And Stuart has a lot of experience within health and beauty. That's where all his experience is. Mine is uh, because of the HR professional side of it. I have a lot of experience in large corporate businesses Avon gave me the introduction to how you can use business to empower people and in particularly empower women. And it's very powerful what they do. And lots of people can talk about businesses, about what they like and what they don't like about businesses. But for Avon, that is has been their laser focus for many years and that kind of probably gave both Stuart and I worked to Avon. We didn't meet there, but we both worked there, Stuart in marketing and, and me in HR. And I think that really gave us the drive to think this is how it's done on a big scale. Could you imagine if we could create a sustainable beauty business of this scale and what that would mean for sustainability. And that's really what we wanted to start a sustainability company that just so happened to be in beauty. But when that original idea happened, that's why I call myself a sustainability nerd. Nobody was really interested in sustainability. They certainly weren't interested in it in beauty. In fact, 10, 11 years ago, natural and organic was kind of seen as the niche kind of nerdy area of the overall industry. So... When we started out, we had to change our communication strategy when we were talking to customers. And what I mean by that, I mean retailers and then also talking to consumers. But we still had our sustainability principles and I call it sustainability through stealth. And sometimes as as an indie brand, you do have to do that. You have to go with where the trends are so that people do listen to you. And then sometimes compromise in your communications about what you're really doing. Um, So that took us a little bit of time to kind of work out. And it's still something that we we have a challenge with because sustainability, as you know, is very complex. It can be very confusing. It can put people off because it's complex and confusing. And it almost gives people decision paralysis where they're like, well, I I don't know what to choose. So maybe I just won't choose anything. So you've got to try and engage very inclusively. Um, But again, that comes with its own challenge because you're trying to talk to everyone. And and how do you do that? So one of the main ways that we, we felt we could make the biggest difference, well, it was twofold. One was around reusable packaging, which is something that I have a lot of experience in being based here in Scotland because there's there is still reuse that happens here. Um, and then two, how could we get how could we get other businesses to use that reusable packaging? So we had Beauty Kitchen and that was where we started. It's the foundation. It's a beauty brand. It's an indie beauty brand. And we grew that while thinking about these other things, reusable packaging, and how do we help other businesses to engage with the reuse model? And Beauty Kitchen has become big enough. I mean, we're still small. We're still self-funded. You know, we're, we're still in scale up mode. But we have a big voice because of that in-depth knowledge within sustainability and also because of the way that we want to engage with other companies. We don't want to see it as 
this competitive advantage, we want everyone to be on the bus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, by the end of this, uh, you know, anybody who's watching this, they will, you know, be in, want to contact you to be a part of your program and learn more from you. So I uh, think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Um, but when you started, you, I know you started with, with a sustainability uh, mission, but and vision for your company, but it was totally different than what it is now, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, when I think of where sustainability and, you know, technology has has helped with that as well. You know, there's been such a shift in the past 10 years. It's in, and this is me just going off on a tangent slightly, but Aaron Chatterley, who is the founder of Feel Unique, which is an e-tailer here in the UK for beauty, you know, he he has people that are employed with him and they can't believe that when he started the business, there wasn't any social media, <laughs> you know, and, and it is quite hard because it is a relatively new thing. And that yeah. ability to be able to communicate very quickly. So technology has helped not just from a communication perspective, but also to help sustainability models be become scalable and commercially viable. Um, so when we started out, we were in plastic packaging. Um, it, it was post-consumer plastic packaging, but it was kind of off the shelf because we were small and indie. We only could access a certain amount of packaging, and it definitely wasn't personalised to our brand. Um, you know, things like pumps and lids, there was lots of things that we, we used that were single use. Yeah, and I think that maybe has helped because of where we are now, we can engage with other businesses to explain we've been where you are and these are the steps that we've taken to be able to move on that journey. It's not something that happens overnight, but what we wanted to do was ensure that we could break down those barriers for other businesses so that they can also have access to reusable packaging. Right. So, so just so we're, you know, I'm, when you started Beauty Kitchen, you wanted to create sort of this DIY experience where people could bring back their bottles and refill them, re, re, um, tell us what the sort of like that, the mechanics of that were, and it's sort of now kind of informing what, you've created today sorry that's my my um not listening sorry JJ so yes when we started it was very much the DIY foundation so we had a little shop in Glasgow and as I described it before it's it was like build a bear for beauty so you chose your jar and we did bath and body self-preserving products because we didn't want to get into the complication of preservatives and skincare we wanted to start where people could get involved in making their own products from scratch. So they would come into the store, they would choose their jar, which was a glass kilner jar, reusable. They would choose their base, generally a salt or a sugar. They would then choose another ingredient, which could be seaweed or rose petals. Not necessarily something that was an active for the, the formulation, but it made the body scrub look pretty, yeah? And then you had the essential oil and carrier oil, and you had it all in the one jar and you had created your own body scrub to your specification so if you wanted it drier or oilier then you had the ability to do that 
um, we realised quite quickly that people were very apprehensive about doing this themselves. And it then moved into a workshop model where we were basically teaching people in groups to be able to make their own beauty products from body scrubs, face masks, lip balms, to um, basic sort of skincare as well, uh, face masks. And, and that was really the very ethos of, of what, and, and really the name Beauty Kitchen was about, you know, ingredients that you have in your house that you could use as your beauty products. It's right. also the most sustainable way as well if you're making your products from scratch because you're then knowing how much you need or, or, or not. Um, and what developed from that is that, that we needed to have the scale. So we then needed to have the distribution. And that was where Holland and Barrett, a national retailer here in the UK, came into play. They were completely fascinated by the DIY option that we had. And they asked us if it was possible for us to be able to create a mini beauty kitchen in their stores. Uh, and that's where we started off with um, some general products that could sit on a shelf, and that was in all the stores. But we also created um, live areas, in which is still in 14 of their stores, where customers can go in and freshly make their own body scrub from scratch. So yeah. it's developed from there with the strategy of always thinking we would like all beauty personal care products to be in reusable packaging because there is no reason why that can't happen. Right, right. And so um, that was, I think that must have been a, a really a really big turning point when a retailer was interested in that concept. Very much so. Probably you have the freedom to do that as well. Um, in their store was amazing. And they're still a partner today. They are, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did that, how has uh, Beauty Kitchen now evolved from that, those like early days? Beauty Kitchen is a fabulous name for a company. So good. Um, and it, I think it's really, you know, if you don't know sort of the origins of the DIY, I think it's still a great name for what you're doing today. Um and uh, and actually for the whole circular process, right? Like kitchens are very much like that. Yeah. Um, so how did it evolve into what it is today? You've now got most of, all of your products are either refillable or naked, right? Yeah, that's it. And there's several ways that you uh, accomplish this. So let's, go through all of what Beauty Kitchen does today. Like the, the packaging has gone out of that plastic into aluminum refillable or glass refillable, right? And um, and then many naked products and solid products, all different types of products. Um, and then there's different ways to refill. And then there's the big way that is expanding out to others. So how does it exist today in the world? Yeah, so we distribute our products through our own e-commerce site, uh, through bricks and mortar retail, and also their e-commerce site, specialist e-tailers and beauty e-tailers. And that is standalone products that fit all of the consumer, uh, sorry, cosmetic regulation, because they have to. And the range of products that we do are skincare, bath and body, and accessories. And within those ranges, we have 
reusable packaging for all of our skincare and bath and body. And then within our bar range and our konjacs, they are available naked or they are currently in recycled sort of cartons. So if they're sitting on a on a retailer shelf, they have to be in some form of packaging because unfortunately we're not lush who can have, you know, all of their products out there because they own the stores. So we have to work within the retailer's confined um, space, which we're fine with because that's where the majority of the beauty industry plays. And if we want to help teach, coach, support other brands, then we need to know the pain points that they have to go through. And if we've gone through it ourselves, it's much easier to then help other people because we kind of understand those challenges. Um, When we look at a product to come into a range, it has to have a minimum of three things. So first, it has to be effective. And that's the scientist in me. It has to have the efficacy because the most sustainable, beautiful product in the world, if it doesn't work, people are not going to buy it again. Yeah. The second thing is it has to be natural. Now, that is a very gray area of what natural actually means. But for us, what it means is a renewable resource. So the ingredients come from something that can be renewed quickly, which is part of the cradle to cradle principles. And then lastly, we say sustainable. Yeah. But what we mean by sustainable is that the ingredients need to be sustainable that the packaging needs to be sustainable and that our business needs to be sustainable. And when we talk about sustainability in a business, this is very much a people focus. This is about social fairness. This is ensuring that the people we come into contact, whether they're employed by Beauty Kitchen or whether they are a supplier of Beauty Kitchen, we want to ensure that we are looking after them through both B Corp standards and cradle to cradle standards. So we we have a lot of people say, you know, when they look on our website, you know, we've got a, we've got a lot of awards, we've got a lot of certification and a lot of people do say, how have you managed to do all of this? But it, but like anything, it's 11 years of work and it's lots of people doing things for that. We have, although we're self-funded, um, we have had a lot of investment from, you know, our bank, from retailers, from our customers, because people really believe in what we're doing and they want to help. And again, although I'm not a very spiritual person, I am a big believer in karma. And I think if you give something to someone and you offer help without thinking that you are expecting something in return, generally you get something back in return anyway. So it's all good. Yeah. So that leads into the um, return, refill, repeat program. So I think one of the things that I didn't understand before I spoke to you was that that program was developed by you, but is created basically very similar with the same sort of intention as loop to be a circular program uh, and that you are inviting and incorporate having other brands participate in your return, refill, repeat uh, program. It's not just for Beauty Kitchen. So Mm -hmm. brands in the UK and beyond, actually, we're going to talk about like location and where you're, where you're, you know, executing this program. Uh, You are, 
your vision is bigger than just your own brand. You want to create this circular program for other brands and invite them into into uh, this uh, into the circular process and break down the barriers for small brands, big brands, any brand who wants to become circular uh, to participate in it, participate in it really, you know, not, you know, with the intention of changing the industry, I think, you know, changing, not sort of the industry, but changing, making the industry better for the planet. Yeah. 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 And that, and that, and that is, it's that, it really is that simple. You know, people talk about collaboration. They talk about transparency. They talk about open source. But a lot of those times, those are, those are just words and they can be quite academic. Really, it's where the action is. It's when you actually say that you're going to collaborate and then you, you go out and you do it and you know that there's going to be problems, issues. There's, I mean, at the end of the day, any entrepreneur, entrepreneurial business has those challenges but what you what you understand is that by collaborating two brains or three brains or four brains are better than one brain and you're probably going to overcome those problems quicker you're probably going to do it cheaper you know and you'll probably find more innovative solutions Um, and and that's why we when we set out with our sort of two models so return, refill, repeat, we know is a bit of a mouthful. You know, we're playing around with other names to try and, and make it easy. The reason why we started with return, refill, repeat is because that is what you do. And when we had our initial beauty kitchen products in the re- reusable packaging, but we also created the refill station. And we did this for Boots Covent Garden right in the centre of London back in 2019. And they had asked us if there's something that we could create that that would help bring Beauty Kitchen to life that was different from what we had done within the Holland and Barrett space. So the refill station that we have is an automatic refill point. So you choose from the screen, you choose the product. They're all wash off products at the moment. You get your bottle, you put your bottle in, you press the button and it dispenses the, the, the product and it gives you the label and the inky. So it's a mini manufacturing site. It's fully sort of regulated. What happened with that um, alongside Beauty Kitchen products is we had a lot of interest with the refill station because nobody had seen anything like it before. Yeah. And um, we ended up going down a a route with Unilever Um, and they were for us because they are so huge in the personal care industry if we can help to get them to make changes within their sustainability area within personal care that would be such a big impact to the planet much more than what Beauty Kitchen could do on its own. So there, there is definitely stuff that Beauty Kitchen gains from that, without a doubt. But it also answers that big sustainability question of how do you get the biggest impact? And that was where we launched three refill stations um, with Return, Refill, Repeat, with Unilever products 
in an Asda store, which is a grocer store um, here in the UK, back in October 2020. And for me, that kind of really demonstrates, hopefully to everyone, that when we say we're going to collaborate and we're going to work, we will work with people that could potentially be seen as our competitors, because that is the right thing to do. And there is plenty of space in our industry for everyone to grow. Um, and if we tackle these big problems together, so for instance, that's one of the, the reasons why we are on the Loop programme here in, in the UK. And we're, we've been working and sharing information with Loop as well, because re, they are also doing reusables, not just in personal care. They're doing it in other, other categories as well, because we can then take those big ugly problems, complex problems, and hopefully solve them quicker on a much bigger scale and do it a lot cheaper. So it ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah. So because I, you know, now I am more familiar with, um, with everything you do, what you just described is the refill station program part, you know, return, refill, repeat, like, you know, on tap, fill your own products, bring your own jar with the beauty kitchen products at Boots Covent Garden and then the Unilever products at the other store that you mentioned. Yeah. I'm not familiar with. Um, but return refill repeats also the circular scheme where people can return their beauty kitchen packaging to you. Yeah. Have it washed, refilled and shipped back you know, and then ship back to somebody else, right? So can you walk, that's also return, refill, repeat. That's it. So, and that's where there's the interest from other brands. With return, refill, repeat, it's not just beauty kitchen products, it's now Unilever products. And we have six other brands that we are launching with over the next 12 months. They will use the packaging um, they will brand it all, you know, their, their own way, you know, and they will use the refill stations. And what will happen is that the customer, if they have, and this is really bad, if they have the return refill repeat symbol on their packaging, doesn't matter whether it's a beauty kitchen product, a Unilever product or someone else, then they will be able to return that. It will come to the site here and we have a bottle washing facility whereby we ensure the correct cleaning protocols are in place to um, lots of different standards I might add because as we know the cosmetic industry is is heavily regulated when it comes to quality control um, and that packaging will then be sent back to the, the the brands, the manufacturers, for them to then refill and send back out to their customers and stores. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like a mini loop program. Yeah, it's, it's the same principle. Anything that's within that circular reuse, you know, it's the same principle. And there's many examples of it out there, not just within our industry, but in other industries from co reusable coffee cups, to um, reusable mayo jars. There is a lot of it. And if you think of um, zero waste stores, which are having a big moment here in the UK and, and I'm sure um, across the, the globe at the moment, a lot of people have a lot of interest in being able to have reusable packaging. So the appetite is definitely there. We now need to give everyone access 
And I don't just mean access to reusable packaging, access to choice so that they can choose the brands that they they love and, and they can then buy those products in reusable packaging. We also have as part of the customer journey, there is a customer app and we are using a digital asset tracking system. And that means that the, the, the end consumer can track where that piece of packaging has been throughout its life from when it was manufactured, so our glass is manufactured in France, to when it was filled, whatever manufacturer has filled that product, to when it went out to the store or direct to you as a customer. You can follow the journey of that. And the next version of that app will also have different savings on it so that people understand their carbon savings, their plastic savings, you know, all of the different categories that you would have within cradle to cradle principles so that the customer then knows if I reuse this bottle only once, yeah, it's carbon neutral. Right. So let's talk about that. We uh, spoke about actually being carbon positive. Yes. So explain that principle to us and the difference between glass, aluminum, and really anything else that you want to share with us about that you've learned about packaging, because there's, it's, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, and, the, and there's there's a lot of information out there. And a lot of people talk about life cycle analysis. The challenge with life cycle analysis is that it's on individual products. It's been very hard for that to be um, consistent across many different things. So we set out um, in partnership with Zero Waste Scotland, which is a, a non-profit making organisation here in Scotland to encourage zero waste. Um, and we got uh, an environmental consultancy to do the data work on plastic packaging, so single use in our industry. So the type of plastic that we use in the cosmetics industry is quite different from what they use to make water bottles, for instance. Yeah. So we got them to look at the different plastic packaging that we have. We got them to look at glass containers, generally jars or bottles, and we got them to look at aluminium. We are also looking at stainless steel, but I don't have the data for that yet. But when the report came back, we were all as surprised as everyone will be when I say this. If you reuse a glass piece of packaging once, yet as part of the return refill repeat programme, the amount of carbon that is emitted for a single use plastic bottle, yeah, and the reuse of glass, including the manufacture of the glass, the logistics, even though it's a heavier part, it only has to be reused once to have the same emissions as a single-use plastic um, piece of packaging. So if it's reused twice, it then becomes carbon more carbon positive because the amount of emissions that are being used are only for the bottle washing facility and for that piece of packaging to go back to where it needs to be. All of those considerations, and if anybody wants to get into the real nitty-gritty detail of that, um, we will be putting um, the analysis of that report onto our website within the next couple of months. Um, so it will be there. Um, and we were fascinated by the fact it's only reused once. 
When it comes to aluminium, as we all know, there's a lot more energy that gets put into the manufacture of aluminium. So it's actually three reuses that it has to have. However, um, a little bit of we've done a little bit of data work. And if you buy a body wash in an aluminium uh, bottle, yeah, that one body wash can save 36 plastic bottles. Yeah. Now, generally body washes, you probably use between maybe three to six in a year for a family of four. Yeah. It actually works out that if everyone in the UK only changed their body wash from a plastic container to an aluminium um, container, it would save 11 billion pieces of packaging. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that just is, the facts are there now. The research and the data is starting to come out about reuse. And it won't just be us that are doing this data. It will be other um, partners as well. You know, Loop, Cradle to Cradle Institute, they are all gathering the scientific data to be able to give people the information that they need to understand what impact this would have if they make those simple changes, simple swaps. Yeah, it's all coming. Um, so it's, uh, you know, we all, it's exciting. And I'm sure it feels like it's not fast enough for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> where is, where, so you have, you have Beauty Kitchen, Unilever, and about six other brands queued up to, um, to participate in the return, refill, repeat uh, program. Where is it functioning right now? Where is it, where are you executing this? If the brand is in the UK, in Europe, yep. um, let us know the details. Yeah, so um, with Beauty Kitchen, if we take that first, that's the furthest afield. So we have it in the UK, we have it in the Netherlands and Belgium, um, and we have uh, um, we have it also in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, which is a bit of a standalone test and pilot in a in a different country. So we've not made a lot of people aware of that yet. When it comes to the other brands. Uh, Unilever is very much in the UK for the moment, and the other brands are UK-based brands, but they are in different parts of the industry. So there's a spa brand, there's a hair care brand, there's um, uh, an organic skincare brand, there's a premium skincare brand. So it's not it's not all formulations that fall into the way that Beauty Kitchen does its formulations. You know, there's there's a there's a range on that. Uh, however, that then gives us the option as well to be able to give support to those brands on possibly making some changes to the formulations, which is what happened with Unilever. So some of their formulations, you know, we thought that they could be better and that we could do that and still bring in at the cost that they required it to be. Um, and that made the, their formulations better. So, so they were up for that. As long as you can, you know, bridge the gap and tick those boxes, that that helps to overcome the naysayers. Yeah. So for, let me just ask, so you, you are sort of beauty kitchens in the Loop program. Yep. You are in conversation and partnership with Loop. Yes. And your knowledge sharing with Loop. Right. Yeah. You guys are sharing resources yeah. to 
support each other. So if a brand is interested in, you know, piloting a circular program, coaching program, they would look at Loop and they could, if they're in, in the UK or Europe or the Netherlands, they would, they could look at both programs. How are they different? What would they, how would they, you know, what would they find right now? And, um, you know, what are the differences, if any, and what are the barriers? Yeah. So I think the main differences would probably come down to costs. So a lot of um, the brands that Loop are partnering with are the big brands. The reason Beauty Kitchen is on there is to demonstrate that they will, you know, look to partner with smaller brands, but also they wanted to use us as a case study, you know, to demonstrate to say we'd already we didn't need to make any changes to our packaging. If anything, we could teach them around and other brands around the best packaging for reuse. So so there's that element in terms of the cost model. What are the costs involved um, uh, f- for the loop program? And does it fit with their their rep? So they are partnering with Tesco as the the main lead as a retailer. Um, And we have been very fortunate that with Return Refill Repeat, we are not exclusive to any particular retailer and we're not exclusive to any particular brands. Um, The other difference is that we have the refill stations, which for me, what that does is it gives the in-store theatre. Will a refill station ever be um, something that's going to make you lots of money? No, we've proved that it breaks even. But what it does is it engages the retailer and the consumer with an easy way to, to understand reuse, especially if they've if they've as we have in the UK, forgotten what it's like to reuse things. Yeah. Um, And then the other element that we have that's different from the Loop programme is the digital asset tracking um, system that we have put into place for each, because we felt that we don't think that the, the person wants to own the bottle. We think the person wants to own the shampoo or or the body wash that's in the bottle and return that bottle back to us. And if we can track that and bring that as a marketing tool to engage with the consumer and then start to build on the consumer's knowledge, because as an early adopter, me talking about carbon emissions or talking about plastic savings, that's actually something that, you know, I could think everybody knows about, but actually I'm probably in the 1% that, that would that would recognise that. So we need to find ways of bringing everyone to feel inclusive with it. And that's where the, the asset tracking is a great way because, you know, wouldn't, what you know, how many people would want this bottle if Leo DiCaprio had used it for his body wash, for instance? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, so that's one thing that, that your program has that Loop hasn't adopted yet. No. Is, uh, packaging tracking yeah. sort of uh, feature. Yeah. yeah. So I have two more questions for you. One is what innovations are you seeing in packaging that are exciting? Um, you know, what, what can we start to see down the road that's going to be, that we're going to start seeing more of? Yeah. So I am... Um, 
well, us as a business, we have signed up for um, Canopy's Park Pack for Good. I don't know if you know about that campaign, but Canopy are an NGO that are that are putting their arms around looking after ancient forests, um, because and about deforestation as well. And what they have, the, their website, I might add, is fantastic for businesses because one of the things that people think is the easy way is stop using plastic and use more paper or card. And actually, that's not the answer either. Um, Because, you know, deforestation is really bad. We all know that. And unfortunately, paper needs, you know, trees. And but it needs trees to be cut down. So Pack for Good is that we have recognised that. And we are in the process of changing our cartons from a card based even though it's it's recycled card that we use we just think we can go further um where we're actually using um agricultural waste um which again is a renewable very very fast renewable resource that is made into paper and card and, and that's our next sort of innovation for our own card so that's that's one innovation the other one is that there's a huge drive um in paper-based products that can hold liquid and that's you know that is something that again if we can get the balance right it's again it's not to never use paper because that is a renewable resource but it's how how do we use that club smartly? How do we use it smartly? And there's there's a company here in Glasgow that is at the forefront of developing um, paper based packaging that can hold liquids. So we're we're working with them on a on a pilot, and then the other piece is seaweed. So seaweed and microalgae's are my thing. Again, I can be a bit of a nerd when it comes to microalgae's. They're the lungs of the earth, you know, and from an active ingredient perspective, they are so super good for your skin, whether you put it on topically or whether you have it in a smoothie. You know, microalgae's I love. But seaweed, um, you know, is plentiful and it's accessible to everyone. And again, there's a little startup company here in the UK based down in Bristol that is making packaging from seaweed. And again, we're looking at that of, of what is possible, whether it has to be dry or whether it can be liquid products with them. So I do think that there is these small, again, generally it tends to be small, innovative startups that are challenging, you know, the plastic side of the industry with more options that people can use, not just in personal care, but in all FMCG categories. So, yeah, I think it's an exciting time. That's so cool. Um, I'm so excited because we didn't talk about that before. So I love, uh, love hearing about new things. So my last question for you is really what is on the horizon for Beauty Kitchen? Where are you taking it? What's next? And, um, and you know, what do you want? To, what do you want people to know? You know? Yeah. For Beauty Kitchen, uh, we always wanted to grow the brand to make sustainable beauty products accessible to everyone. And, you know, that does take time, particularly when you're self-funded. You've only got a certain amount of budget and you've got to choose your priorities. Um, you're self-funded and you're giving 2% back. Yeah. And you're investing in this program. Everything goes back in. Yeah, everything goes back in. I mean... I just know like that's 
that's a lot. There's not a lot left over um, after that. If you want to, to, you know, to push the company, you know, to push the company forward, to push progress and to give back in that way. Um, It's a lot, you know, that's, that's really, that's real commitment. It is. And, and so we, we um, would love to launch in North America. I mean, you know, we have got a very good established base here in the UK and Europe. Um, the two big markets that we would like to tackle is, you know, North America, particularly the US and Germany. So we're not in Germany yet, which is a big market, particularly for reusables. Cradle to cradle is very well known in that in that marketplace and natural um, beauty products. But it's around making sure that when we do that, we can do it in the beauty kitchen way of doing things, which has to be in the most sustainable. And as you know, you know, the the US market is so huge and, you know, it wouldn't be by state. It would have to be a kind of all or nothing, particularly in in beauty. So, So and what we then want to do is help return refill repeat to become part of something that is that is global. Beauty Kitchen is very much the almost the guinea pig for what is possible within sustainable beauty, not just in, in a formulation way, not just in a packaging way, but also in a in a business way. And and if we can help other businesses to, you know, ch- choose some of these things, then we know that the world will be a better place. So that's what gets me up in the morning, but that's what also keeps me awake at night. <laughs> So good. So good. Um, well, I can't, you know, I think everybody who watches this will be staying tuned to Beauty Kitchen and watching as you develop, as you grow, as you expand into the United States and Germany and beyond. Um, and really watching you as a trailblazer um, for Blue Beauty. So thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge, for all the work that you're doing in the world. Uh, definitely inspired me. I know I'll be having future conversations with you, Joanne. And, uh, you know, I look forward to sharing with this. And if anybody has a brand that they have been wanting to, you know, sort of tip dip their toe into circular packaging, uh, you should contact uh, Beauty Kitchen and uh, they'll walk you through it. So thank you, yeah. Joanne. No, thank you. thank you for having me. And thank you for being, you know, part of this Blue Beauty and being the, the founder, really, because it means that we can start to join the dots and the community then grows. And we know when a community grows, great things happen. You know, that yeah. network is just so that's important. That's exactly what I mean. That was the only intention with really starting to talk about this was to have the conversations. Um, so I really want to thank Inacos and Irina for hosting these conversations, for giving us the platform to be able to have these conversations, to share them with more people and draw more people into uh, this movement, uh, to learn together, share resources, and uh, you know, really do uh, what uh, needs to be done for this planet, which is a lot.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from the Blue Beauty series and to meet some of the speakers online, join Beauty Influence Network. Thanks again, and I will see you next time.